I'm thinking about reverse engineering the person that I'm speaking with. Yeah, so what I mean by that is, is by asking questions. And so I always stick to the same questions. It's always the same stuff for me. It's what, where, when, how, and the most important being why. Like, what are you looking into doing? Why? That's where you're gonna get somebody's motivation. But by answering, asking those open-ended questions, as basic as, as it is, it's basic and it works for a reason. And it's a cliche for a reason because it works so well. That's when you get people to open up and start talking. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today we have Jazz Takar on the show, and we're going to be talking about some pre-construction. We're going to be talking about some sales. We're going to be talking about investing and a lot of other things. Jazz, as you could tell, is fired up and ready, and we are ready for him. So, Jazz, I mean, you're working in a market that is landlocked, you said, so similar to Manhattan. So take us into that right away. What's it like to be in a market maybe that's a bit competitive and a bit landlocked? Yeah, first and foremost, Matt, I mean, thanks for having me on, brother. I really appreciate it. Um, and so the area that that um you know, doing this podcast from today and where I'm born and raised. Also, 99% of my personal investments, um, I'm going to say about 90% of my clients' investments are all in the city of Toronto here in Canada. I like to think, and I'll probably um, get some pushback from some other people in the country, but I think Toronto is definitely the, the financial heartbeat of our country here because similar to Manhattan, the, the Wall Street which is in Manhattan. I mean, we have our Bay Street here, but the major, um, the major hospitals, the major schools, um, um, the 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 major banks' head offices, financial district. It's all here, based in Toronto. We have a little over, I'm going to say, about 250 to close to 300,000 people coming into our city every single year, um, and and they're all coming into an area that's probably about, I'm going to say, about a 50 to 60 mile radius. And so on the south side of our city we have a lake and so we haven't figured out what Dubai has in, in terms of being able to build on water. On the northern part, we have a we have a restricted area, which is known as the Greenbelt legislation. So it was a piece of legislation that came into play on approximately about 16, 17 years ago that doesn't allow developers to develop on it, to preserve the land, which obviously makes sense. But the problem that creates you know, again, it depends on which side of the coin you are on, essentially. As an investor, it's a great problem to have because we know that there's not a lot of subdivisions of semi-detached, detached townhomes that can be built. So a lot of it that's being built here in Toronto specifically is the 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 vertical condos and so we have a lot of buildings in fact we're number two in the world with the amount of cranes that are in the sky and because of the fact that we have a high demand immigration um and also not only immigration outside of the country coming into canada but we have a lot of net migration right from other uh cities and provinces within our country wanting to come into toronto toronto's really like the Look, I think it's not definitely in the top three in terms of multiculturalism. I mean, like we, we, we're essentially the United Nations here in, in Toronto. And so high demand, very little supply, 
great for investors because you know value is going to continue to go up. I mean, year over year, if you if we look at a big sample size um, in this in this Toronto area, you're looking at about seven and a half to eight percent year over year growth. I mean, you're just not going to see that anywhere else really in the country, except for another another city slash province, which is uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, but uh, other than that, my man, I mean, it's very, very tough to to find affordable real estate here in in Toronto. But again, again, I mean, depending on if you're looking into you know being a first time home buyer, living in the downtown core might not be affordable. You're gonna have to do what I call drive till you qualify and go out a little bit further than the downtown core. Yeah. So. Right away, you're hitting us with some great information. I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at things, positive and negative, right? You can look at this, that you're landlocked, it's bad, et cetera. You're looking at this as an opportunity, right? Your mindset is very positive. So other than increasing home values, is there any other benefits that you're getting of the vertical, the building up uh, vertically? Yeah, look, I think I think when you have more dense density in a city, that's just it, you have more revenues coming in. And so for me, I always, and you know, let me not say always, let me rephrase that. Like I definitely sway to looking at the positive uh, uh, outlook on things as much as I possibly can, not only in real estate, but just in business and life. Um, and, and when you have more density in the city, you're going to get more restaurants coming. You're going to get more amenities. Um, one thing that we're lacking definitely in the city of Toronto is, is, is a better, and more effective uh, transit system, but the tax revenue is one of the highest in the country. Why? Because you have more people here and that creates more jobs. You have more businesses coming, which actually essentially creates more jobs. And so I think the biggest benefit to all the cranes and the density is is with you know you you have more creative businesses coming into our city. Netflix about four or five years ago opened up a, a, a studio here as well. I mean the amount of jobs that created in it in in itself. Exactly. So so some people see competition, you see opportunity, you see revenue, etc. Always two sides. Speaking of that optimism, I would be amiss if I didn't mention that fact that your sweatshirt says you are enough. Tell us what that means. Yeah, man, look, uh, I uh, barely passed high school. Um, I think they got me out of high school because I was just a nuisance to all the teachers and some of the other students. I'm, I definitely probably didn't even have the grades to get out of high school. Um, my father was a taxi driver his whole life. My mother was a factory worker her whole life, grade uh, eight and grade four education. Um, they worked their asses off every single day. And so, you know, it, it's not that we didn't grow up with uh, nothing or we didn't, you know, it's not that we had everything. We're kind of in the middle class, right? But my, my parents weren't educated. And, but one thing that my father always told me every single time when I brought home a report card, um, he always just reminded me like, you're enough, man. Like you, you got all the resources. Um, don't let this outside noise of people, um, affect it, affect you. Now he was, both my parents were hard on me when I was getting bad grades, but I think they figured it out pretty quick that, okay, this guy's not going to be some a doctor, lawyer, an engineer, which are one of the three that in our East Indian culture is kind of the, 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 the highest, highest standard in terms of a profession. But I always, you know, since grade, I'm going to say since grade three, grade four, I was knocking on doors, just helping the school with 
selling Christmas ornaments or a book fair. And then when I turned 12, that's when the game changed for me, man. Like I, I got paid for delivering newspapers. I actually thought I was going to probably be selling newspapers my whole life because I was like, holy shit, I would have done this for free. I love the interaction and the rapport building. And, and so for me, man, I, I, I'm now wanting to spread the message to people to give themselves permission first and foremost to be themselves. Like I sell, I have a team of 62 agents um, here in the real estate business. I train other real estate professionals, i.e. real estate agents and mortgage brokers on building businesses. And it always starts for me to allowing people to be themselves because I do all that in a hoodie, in a t-shirt, not being formally educated. And so I just want to remind people that you are enough, man. If nobody's ever told you that, I'm here as Jazz Takar to tell you that, that you are enough. So take this a bit further. So so you are now implementing this into other people. Now, when you're communicating you are enough, are you afraid that this might create complacency or really are we fundamentally, the vast majority of us just needing to hear that message because the messages out there are too negative? Yeah, look, I think it's a mixture of both, right? Um, For me, what I'm really trying to do, you said like, I think you use the word instill it into other people. I'm trying to inspire people, right? Um, Not just motivate them because I think motivation doesn't last long, right? And you you might get motivated from a book, a podcast like this, um, a talk that you went to, a movie, whatever it is. Um, But then then Friday morning slaps you in the face. And, And so it's more of a push activity in terms of being motivated where I think when you're inspired, it's, it's something's pulling you towards attaining more for yourself. And so what I'm, what I've come to realize with training a lot of real estate agents and sales professionals is it's 90% mindset, 10%. It's all tactics. Like you can find that shit out, but if you actually don't believe in yourself that you can actually attain something or, or hit a specific goal, it's all for naught. Like all those tactics, great, but you're going to, get beat up, especially in this profession, because you have to hear so many no's, right? And so I'm not sure if it's um, adding to to complacency by any means, because I what I do push a lot of is, look, if you want more, and I'm not talking to the whole world, because some people, I always use my, my I'm, 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 you know, I'm the youngest out of three sons, and my middle brother, um, God bless him, man. Like he has a nine to five. He's been at it now for coming up to 20 years, works for Air Canada, like our biggest airline here. And he comes home and the days that he wants to pop open a beer and, and, and just watch a, you know, an NBA finals game or whatever football game, he's in bliss, man. He has three kids. And if you and I tell him to chase more and, 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 you know, pun intended, chase more freedom, he's already got freedom. Like he's already there. You know, so who are, who am I and who are you to tell them to get more, right? But it's the, for the people that do want more, you got to work, like period. Like it's not just thinking positive. That would be like going in your backyard and looking at all the weeds in the backyard and saying, there is no weeds. There is no weeds. Bullshit. There's weeds there. You got to cut them down and then you got to figure out a way to keep them from coming back. And that is called work. And so if... You And I'm not here to push hustle porn, meaning like work 18 hours a day and sleep for two and don't spend like, no, I'm not here to say that, but under come like really understand that if you want more and you put in extra hours, 
you will reap the benefit of it. It's just a matter of time. But it doesn't happen after one week. Just because you put in an extra couple of hours one week, that's not going to mean that you're going to get more. It's the accumulation of what happens over a month, a year. Then it's really magical when you do that for five years. Because I think we overestimate as people what we can do in a year, but we definitely underestimate what we can do in five years. It's just a matter of having some patience. Now, patience also doesn't mean put your feet up and let it happen. It's like having patience for kind of the long term, but in the short term, going at it every single day. There's a massive sign behind my head here that says, ready, fire, aim. And that's to remind myself and my team and anybody who's watching and listening that rather than sitting there and aim, which is another word, uh, another way of saying paralysis by analysis, most people sit in that and never actually pull the trigger because they want everything to be perfect. They want to line up the target. What I've come to realize is pull the, you know, I don't know if I can throw some F-bombs here and stuff like that, Matt, but so yourself. yeah, awesome. Um, like pull the fucking trigger as many times as possible because it's a lot easier and faster to adjust along the way. One of the things that I'm picking up, I could be picking up this wrong. So I'm going to throw out something that I, I might be reading between the lines here. So, so you're saying two things, right? You're saying hustle your tail off, right? To get the goals if your goals are big. And the second thing you're saying is you're enough, right? So that the average person, I shouldn't say average, but the common person might think that you are enough will lead to just chill, right? But what I'm hearing is a complete opposite. So let me throw this out there because I think like this is how I think and this is how I think a lot of people who become successful think, which is once you believe you are enough, the, the limiting beliefs, the noises, all the stuff, that weight that shackles you down that makes you feel terrible about yourself is gone. And once all of the shackles have been released from you, you are free to run like the wind. I mean, is that a fair assessment? Thousand, a thousand, man. Like, so growing up, I had, um, I had a turban. And I grew up in an area where um, we were definitely the minority. Toronto shifted now, my city, my country. I mean, I think the world has, but definitely like my surroundings um, where there's more now, like, for example, Indians and Asians and, 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 and different cultures than there is of what was here before. And so growing up, I always felt like I didn't have anybody to really look up to. I looked up to my father. That's, that's my hero. My father and mother are kind of like my heroes in that sense. And so what I think a lot of people fail to realize is that success leaves clues. And so if somebody else has done something that you want to do, it's your job to pick up those pieces. And so to your point, Matt, that once you realize that you yourself are enough, you don't need, you don't need to be someone else. In terms of, you don't need to look like Matt. You don't need to sound like Matt. Just being Jazz Takar and sounding like Jazz Takar is enough because the world doesn't need another Matt. We need, the world needs to see your uniqueness. In fact, all the insecurities that you have, and I don't know you that much, Matt, other than this conversation we're having now, but even my insecurities... That is actually what makes me unique. And so, like, go all in on that. You know, the, I think the buzzword, I don't know if it was 2023. I don't know, it was 2022, 2021, was authenticity. And how do you become more authentic and all that? And like, people are selling courses on that shit and, like, writing books. It's like, be authentic. Like, it's just 
all you got to do is open your mouth. Like, it's the way that you sound. It's authentic. It's like, it's unique. It's different. It's all those insecurities that we're trying to hide, which will actually free you because you're allowing people to either relate with you or not. And I think what people have a hard time believing is, or understanding, sorry, is that you're not going to get everyone anyways. Not everyone's going to like you. There's people listening to this right now and saying, this guy's full of shit. I don't even like him. Like, who the fuck does he think he is? And on the flip side, people are like, I love this guy, man. There's something about him. And I don't know if they can see me. They're like, this guy's a good looking Indian guy. And I like his energy and I like his passion. I want to get to know more. So that is, that is where, you know, and I know it went off on a tangent. It's just what I do. Um, but that is where this all kind of came from, which is, man, just know that you're enough. Now, what do you want in your life, your business, your relationships, whatever it is, your health? Why do you want it? You figure out what you want and why you want it. The only other piece that's left now is taking massive action daily. Every single day, take some action. And that sometimes that action is on a Saturday for me anyways. Saturday's like completely shut off. Like unless it's like an urgent, urgent matter with a client, like it, it needs to be super duper urgent. But Saturday's my time to, to just kind of chill with my family. And, and so for me, that's still taking massive action. But you got to do something every single day towards the attainment of a goal. That's just my belief. So this massive action that you've been taking for a while here has led to some pretty epic things. And I want to talk about those things. So 60 plus agents, I know you said the exact number, but 60 plus agents was doing the agent world first, then investing, or was it investing first, then, then agent world? So it was actually being an agent first, uh, 19 years ago to be exact. Um, 19 years ago, got my real estate license because um, I've always been in sales. Like it's the only job I had in real estate was the one ticket that was left. It was like, for me anyways, it was like that last rung on, on, on the ladder in terms of sales, like the biggest ticket item, aside from yachts and stuff like that. But like for the average person, the biggest ticket item is gonna be a piece of real estate. It was the one that I wanted to, to conquer and not conquer to beat other people, just for myself. I was like, this is one piece. So 23, got licensed. Um, I also at the same time wanted to start to invest because my parents didn't like, and I shouldn't say that I shouldn't take that away from them because what they did at a, at, 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 at like, you know, once they moved here, 1972, 1981, 1982, their first home that they bought, um, when I was born actually, um, was at a basement apartment. So that was their way of investing into real estate. They just never got like an income property. And so for me, I was like, oh, this is perfect. I want to do this investing. Like this is cool. Like owning properties. That's kind of cool, man. Um, cause I met a guy on my street who was shoveling the snow of four or five homes. I thought he was the, like the landscaper snow plow guy. I learned to find that he owns all these homes and he just rents them out. And so that happened at the same time that I was like, I want to become a real estate agent about four to five years in, I started to realize the benefits of investing into real estate for me anyways, is the epitome of wealth creation, which for me is called residual income. Do something once and get paid for it over and over again. At that five-year mark of being an agent, I also realized, oh shit, I can do that in actually in my business. Meaning you hire an agent, you provide them value, they stay because you hired them once. Every time they do a deal, there's residual income. And that's when myself and my 
uh, a partner at that time. He's passed off. He passed away about five years ago, mm. but I have a current business partner in, in, in my real estate company. That's when us three essentially took it to 50 agents, um, screwed a lot of things up, made a lot of mistakes, had a massive failures, brought it down to 25 agents approximately um, five years ago. And now we're currently sitting at 62. This time we're doing it the right way because we have more patience now. I want Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Dive into these partnerships uh, because I think there's a lot of scare in the real estate world. And it's the world in general. Do not partner with people. You... And my condolences to losing your partner five years ago. So you had a partner, lost your partner. It sounds like almost immediately got another partner, right? It's it's almost no. like the guy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no. It was it was three of us at the same time, and so got so, it. so there was three of us. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Okay. But you obviously are very pro partnership, and so talk to me about that, like, because because I did not start that way because I grew up of the old school, you know. Uh, I guess, wisdom where you don't partner with people, you do it to yourself. And then I realized like, once I started getting partnerships, I'm like, yeah, some of them go bad, but it's worth it. So, so talk to me about it. Yeah. So, so not only like, I truly really do believe in partnerships because I have another company, which is training real estate agents. And I have a partner in that business as well, a different partner. And so for me, it's actually quite simple. I know I suck at majority of things. Like I suck (laughs) at (laughs) like, I'm just shit. Like I, like this, piece of art it's not i'm actually sitting in my partner's office um this is hers but it's just leaning against the wall but anything that i I, like i can't put up a a piece of art i don't know how to do that shit you don't put a hammer in my hand in terms of business there's just things that i'm not good at man like i or i don't even enjoy like i don't enjoy the legal stuff i don't enjoy the accounting stuff i'm not an idiot when it comes to revenues and 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 p P and L's and all that kind of stuff. Like I know what I'm talking about, but I just, that's not my core strength. Right. And so the two partners that I have, like, for example, my partner in my real estate company, Simos, he, this guy can put an email together, like just based on our conversation that we're having now, he would put like the most formal kick-ass email together where me, it would take me seven days. God bless chat GPT. You know, like, uh, there's oh, no, no way. Kidding. 
like I have a massive problem putting my thoughts down on paper, just not my skill set. In fact, I put everything in a subject line or I ask for people to put everything in a subject line because it just makes life a little easier for me. Now, where I'm very, very strong is in that like two to three percent. So 97 percent of stuff I suck at. It's that two to three percent that I go really all in on. Number one, which is just sales. Like there's very few people. And I, I mean this like from actually the most collaborative perspective, not like an ego perspective. Because I want people to reach out to me. I'm not charging for stuff. Like reach out and ask for tips and strategies. But from a sales perspective, there's like maybe, you know, a thousand people in this world that have been in the sales industry as long as I have. But have, but I actually took it like step by step, meaning at 12, I sold newspapers at 15 and I was every, at, at all these places. I was there for a minimum of three years at 15. I started selling shoes and not like the Al Bundy type, like helping sprinters and marathon runners, like really knowing my product knowledge. Okay. At 18, I worked at the bank. Six, uh, 17, 18, I worked at the bank as uh, helping, helping, uh, uh, with, with mortgages and loans. Then I sold cars for three years, which was probably like, that was the next six. So you could tell, and then now it's been real estate for 19. So there's very few people. Yeah. They might've been in the sales industry or a specific, uh, uh, industry in sales, like real estate or car selling cars or insurance and all that kind of stuff. But like, there's just not a lot of people that have done it for as long as I have and effectively. And so that's where I fig I cover the holes of my partner's weaknesses. Now they're both great salespeople. They're great business people. I love them to death, but they both deep down inside, they know they wouldn't be able to hold a stick to me when it comes to sales, <laughs> as well as the connection on a video perspective. Like I took this on at the start. Once I started podcasting myself, I got obsessed with content creation. Right. There's a little bit of a different energy around me personally. And so I cover the holes and weaknesses of my partners. They definitely cover way more holes of mine, though. Like, it's like I'm not even shy to say it. It doesn't matter. Like I like 97 percent of the stuff that happened in the business, I wouldn't be able to do without my two partners because they just know how to take my ideas and run with it or build a system around it where I'm not. That's not my expertise. I'm, I'm the touchy feely guy. Like I'm, I'm the guy who's talking to the staff all the time. I don't have a computer. I don't have a desk. Like I'm actually, I don't even have a desk. I, that's why I said I'm using my partner's desk. I do everything from my phone because it's like, it's quicker, it's faster. Someone else can take care of everything else. And so, um, to, 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 to bring real value to people who are listening right now, don't be afraid of partnerships. Yes, they're tough. Yes. But you know, 50% of something is better than a hundred percent of nothing. And that I just realized that at a very, very young age, what I really realized is the importance of delegation, right? So like, again, I can't write an email. I can't edit a video, but these are all things that need to get done. It's a matter of the way that I look at it in business. I just leave a lot of money on the table. I'm not driven by like, look, we all talk revenues in business and it's important. It's a scorecard. It's how we tell like the Lakers, did the Lakers win or lose last night? And side note, I was, I'm very disappointed that they lost. <laughs> last night, right. Um, and, but in business, one of the scoreboards is revenues. Like what was your profit? Right. I, and so, but for me, I'm not driven by that stuff. I'm really like 
trying to get out the messaging of, of giving yourself permission to be yourself. Because when I did that, especially with content, fuck man, the light, like the world opened up to, for me. I am so glad we're going down the sales route. So normally in this, my mindset would go, let's talk about how you did all these numbers and whatever. I know how you did all these numbers. You are a salesman, right? So I actually built my first couple million dollars of, of revenue just straight from the sales skills I had built. So like I am stoked to go into this conversation with you. Let's de dedicate most of the rest of the time to delivering as much sales value to the world as possible. So talk to me about your journey. Like, like let's start with this. What, what are some like go-to thought patterns, go-to like when you're getting ready to sell, like, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about reverse engineering the person that I'm speaking with, right? Like, so Break what it do down. I mean Keep by going. that? Yeah. 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 So what I mean by that is, is by asking questions. And so I always stick to the same questions. It's always the same stuff for me. It's what, where, when, how, and then most important being why, like, what are you looking into doing? Why? That's where you're going to get somebody's motivation. But by answering, asking those open-ended questions as basic as, as it is, it's basic and it works for a reason. And it's a cliche for a reason because it works so well. That's when you get people to open up and start talking and speaking. And now um, when I'm speaking to them, I'm also thinking and making sure that the second I go into convincing mode, which I, you know, obviously being in sales for so long, I know I'm probably not going to win with this, this prospect. And what I mean by win, especially in the real estate business, first of all, you're not going to sell somebody a house, like on the first time that you speak to them. And so thinking that you are is kind of nonsense. So what you're better off doing is asking a bunch of questions, coming back, drawing out a plan, a blueprint, some type of action plan for them. Okay. Because the real win is not when they do business with you. It's, are they going to introduce their friends and family? So for me, I've always known that the average person, the average person on their cell phone probably has about 200 contacts. And so if you know 200 people that know 200 people that know 200 people and so on and so forth, you have a network of 40,000 people. That's a pretty big network. But most people say, I don't know anybody. Right. And so if you actually just look in your phone, you will know people now. So what I'm trying to do is, is understand that, okay, if I treat Matt really, really well, and I can't just meet his expectations anymore, I have to exceed his expectations because that's the only time he's going to say, wow. And the more wows you get during the experience of them doing business with you, buying your product, using you for your service, you have a much higher probability of them telling their friends, family, colleagues, and neighbors. Now, how do you find out their expectations? Simple. Matt, what do you expect? In this experience of buying a home, buying a car, buying a pair of shoes, buying this, this blazer, what do you expect? Now you know what his expectations are. Find ways to exceed it. There's 57 ways to do that, depending on which business and industry you're in. Then what I would do and what I've been doing for the last four years consistently is essentially giving away all the trade secrets. So I put a book together. Now, this book's been put together about 10, 12, 14 years ago, but we made some uh, 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 revisions to it, where it actually teaches people how to sell their own home without the help of the realtor, which for everybody in our industry, they're like, what are you doing, bro? Like, why are you teaching them how to sell their own home or buy their own home or invest on their own? 
Because I know in Canada, and I know the American stats on this as well, in Canada, only 2% of people ever really sell their own home. In the States, it's 10%. Like if you look how many, when title gets transferred, only 10% of all the sales that happen in your country, only 10% of those people did it on their own. So if you know that majority of people are going to use the services of a realtor, no matter what, why not just educate the hell out of them? And so they can make an informed quality decision themselves, number one. But number two, they'll see you as the authority. That doesn't mean that you're going to get the business all the time. But again, you have a much higher probability of them using you because they're like, holy shit, Matt's been like just giving away all this information. I'm ready now to buy, to sell, to invest, I'm going to use him. Like he's the one who's always been giving me all these tips and educating me. And so I think, I think one of the best ways to sell today in 2023 is to whatever you're selling, give away all the secrets because the truth of the matter is there's a couple of sites. They're called Google and YouTube that someone can find out everything about your service anyways. Like they don't really need you. Right. So why don't you, though, become the authority by giving all that away? 100%. Hormozzi says, right, sell this, give away the secret, sell the implementation. If you look at every major salesperson from Jordan Belfort and all these guys, they're all doing the same thing, right? I want to underscore something that's just so amazing about you. Energy, positivity, confidence. Like you have an aura of Matt, confidence. Matt, I'm a little disappointed you didn't say good looking for your listeners. Oh, word. dude, dude, Bro. It, it, it is right there, too. So let's. Let's dive into this a little bit. I want to throw you what would be for most people an insanely challenging question. So when you talk about sales level, let's talk about salespeople in levels, right? Level one is entry level, right? You're just taking the order. That's, that's all you can do. If they have any like sort of objection, you're done, right? Then we go from order taker to they're going to have some objections. They're going to question whether you're the right company because they're not coming in as warm. And then there's the selling yourself, right? That's next level. And then there's a level where it's like, you literally have to sell them against their own limiting beliefs. Let's say they're loaded with limiting beliefs. That's where like sales really gets real. Give me the tips on that. Someone comes in with limiting beliefs, how in a conversation or two, but let's say one conversation, do you take somebody through the process of overcoming their limiting beliefs? Look, it's just, it's, if it was you in this example, Matt, and I, and I deal with this a lot because with my training company with real estate agents, it. It is that it's not, it's not, you know, um, the cheapest kind of training out there. It's not the most expensive. And so I can see where people sometimes have a tough time, but I'm, I'm going to ask a lot of questions like, Matt, what are you wanting in this business? And once you start telling me that, then I start speaking about, okay, like, why do you want it? Like, why do why is that important? Why do you want to do more deals? Why do you want to make more money? And then what's going to happen if you don't like, let's talk about that. Let's figure out what's not what's going to happen if you don't make that kind of money or or, or do those uh, uh, deals. Then I'm going to speak about some of my features of of some of the programs that I have, for example. But that is where most people stop. Nobody really gives a shit about the features of a of a car, of a house, of of a program, of a course. They care about the benefit. What does it actually mean? For, to them. We're all listening to this radio station, WIII-FM, like what's in it for me? And so you got to speak to those benefits. And then I'm going to ask, look, what I think a lot of agents, uh, uh, what a lot of salespeople, I apologize, um, where they make the biggest mistake, they do a great song and dance. And I mean that in a positive way, but they never ask for the sale. And so just asking would be like, hey, Matt, are you ready to, to move forward? 
if you were going to move forward, what date would work best for you, right? You're trying to get some, in the old days, they used to call it trial closes. Essentially, you're just trying to get the temperature. Like, where's Matt at? And one of the best questions that I've come to ask my real estate clients, as well as the agents that are looking at some of my trainings, is where's your headspace at, Matt? Like, where's your headspace at? With, with maybe moving forward with this investment property, uh, maybe moving forward with this, with this uh, training program, because you'll, you'll be surprised how much people will start talking when it comes to like, well, I'm not sure. Okay, great. Well, if you're not ready right now, when's a good time to follow up? And so for me, I'm a follow-up machine. Like all my money that I've made is all in the follow-up. Okay. And what I mean by that is when I'm speaking to people, I'm, finding out in the first, I'm going to say I can probably get it down to the first like two minutes max, if not like a minute. I know if you're going to move forward right now, or which is my first bucket when I'm, I call it my sorting system, where it's the first bucket, you're ready to act, you're qualified, your your expectations are realistic. Um, and, 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 or the second bucket being, you need to be followed up on. And so I'm going to ask, hey, Matt, when's a good time to follow up? Is next Wednesday good or, or, or is it next month? I always give people kind of two options. Or then there's my third bucket, which if we just don't jive together, it's okay, man. Like I said, we're not going to get all, I'm not going to get all 6.6 .6 million people that, that, that are in my city and I move on to the next. And so I just don't spend a lot of time. I never really have, but now like in the last five years, cause of my content, cause I'm out there so much that a lot of, I got a lot of brand awareness from a personal brand perspective where I, I am not spending a lot of time in convincing cause I just, I would rather just move on to the next prospect. Totally. You're being asked these questions on the fly with zero prep and there is zero hesitation in your answers. I mean, I think that's one of the things too. You could tell you've put in the reps to understand what the game is like. So you've got 60 something agents, you got investments, you're growing. What is your life like vision and business goals for the next 12 to 18 months? 12 to 18 months. Um, so I've yet been like, I haven't been able to be on stage in front of 10,000 people. That is like really the goal. And the reason I say that is because like I put in the reps now of the 500, a thousand, 800, 200, 50, like the amount of stages I've been on that have a hundred people. Like, you know, I was nervous. I was scared. Um, butterflies in the stomach stuttering. Like now I'm ready. Like now I'm ready. And really the vision is like, I want to get to the 10,000 stage kind of uh, uh, place. And then that's where I want to spend most of my time. Like, I, I just want to be spreading this message that you are enough. And if you're a sales professional, I'm going to help you through this. But now I want to be on stage. Like if I could wave a magic wand, brother, all I would be doing all day long is my own podcast, your podcast, um, other people's podcasts and being on stage. That's kind of like the dream. And so I, I like, I know, I know I'm going to attain it. I just know because I'm obsessed with it. Um, and if I don't, that's okay. I've had a blast on, along the journey, along the way, man. I've met some really cool people. Like, you know, on my podcast, being on other people's like, oh, wow. Like I, I didn't even know. I, like, I had no clue 
the amount of stories I was going to be able to to hear and and the tactics I was going to pick up on strategies. Um, but then when you go on stage and you got a thousand and obviously where I want to get to where the 10,000, we actually have a, it used to be called the Air Canada Center. It's the Scotiabank Center where the Raptors play and, and, and you know, Drake sold that thing out tons of times. Um, that's the dream to sell that out. Incredible. Jazz, thank you so much for sharing about your life and your business, for dropping some gems about the beauty of partnerships, how to sell things, how to go balls to the wall to be at the, be 90% and the 2% and 2% and the 97%. Uh, take down some notes, guys, if you're listening. Write down something that you learned. Share it with somebody who knows so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 